want to thank you so much for your presence in this place. We want to thank you for who you are in our lives. We want to thank you for your word that is living and active. We just want to thank you, Father, for just all the work that you continue to do in our lives until Christ is formed in us, Lord. We exalt you in this place. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are a teacher, you are our comforter, you are our guide, and we just thank you that you're here with us this morning. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you for that. Amen. Amen. So, this morning we are launching our Just One campaign. Yeah? And you might be thinking, what is this Just One about? You're about to find out. Yeah? But the, 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 the key about this campaign is that it's really aimed at mobilizing every single person that's sitting here this morning to reach out to their closest friends, colleagues, or people that they're surrounded with, with the gospel, to see their lives radically transformed. That is really, that is the summary of this whole thing. Yeah? And I'm sure that as you're sitting here this morning, you remember the time when you encountered Jesus Christ. Yeah? And how many of you can attest to the fact that your life has never been the same since you encountered Jesus Christ? Only a few hands. Okay? So if your life hasn't changed since you encountered Jesus Christ, then there's a serious problem. Either it has become a religious thing where I'm going to church because it's what my family always did or it's because I know it's the right thing to do or there is no real life relationship there. Because when we encounter Christ, there must be a life-giving relationship. And he is the answer to everything here in this world. He is the ultimate answer. Of this we need to be convinced. And when we know that we have encountered this love, it is so powerful that we cannot keep it to ourselves. We have to share it with others because we, we want them to, to live the life that God has purposed for them to live. A life that's full of, of, of love and, and, and an abundant life as Jesus has really um, uh, purposed for us to live. And so I want to start off by just looking at the scripture in Romans 1 verse 16, which says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Yeah? The gospel is so powerful. There is no way the gospel can come to town and town remains the same, unless we don't believe in the power of the gospel. But when that gospel comes to town, things must be radically changed. When that gospel is being lived out in this nation, this nation must be radically changed. When that gospel is poured out at your workplace, that workplace must be radically changed. The one thing that cannot happen is that things remain the same and we experience this life of oppression where the enemy is just pushing people left, right, and center and we're seeing things that are opposite to what we're supposed to be seeing in the word of God. I mean, if we could just look at the social issues that we have in our nation and we could think, I mean, a lot of the times we want the practical solutions and they're so important. But you know, if we just introduce Jesus and his word into those areas, imagine the change it will bring. Yeah? I mean, let, let's just think about what is the answer to greed and corruption? 
What will stop people from being greedy and corrupt? Only when they have a loving relationship with Jesus. Because then they will know in Christ there's more than enough. And we're taught to share our lives with others. We're taught to share what we have with others. So there's no room for greed and corruption. What about, um, what can we think about? What about gender-based violence? What's the answer to that? The love of Christ. The gospel. Knowing the original um, um, plan or picture of what a relationship is based on God's word. What about teenage pregnancies? What's the answer to that? Purity. Sexual purity. Waiting until you're married. I mean, all these things that we're faced with today, if we bring God in this, if we bring the gospel to it, we can see how it can really change societies completely. And I know our vision is, we're saying we want to see a transformed society that advances the kingdom of God through discipleship in the word, presence, and power of God. And that is not going to happen by teaching anything else than teaching the word of God and the truths of God. Because when people grasp this, they, they understand that they are a completely different person than what we are accustomed to in our lives and what we're being taught. As Tian was teaching last week when he was talking about purpose, you know, that when we encounter God, our lives are changed and we start living according to who he says we are and not according to what we've been taught around when people are coming with all sorts of ideologies and and all sorts of um, thoughts of how we are really supposed to be living life. But the gospel is so powerful. Every single person that encountered Jesus in the Bible was radically transformed. Nobody was left the same. Nobody. They all had encountered Jesus and there was a physical manifestation of this transformation. Either they were healed, either they repented. I mean, if you look at um, Zacchaeus, he repented from his evil ways of being a tax collector, charging people more than he's supposed to, and saying, God, if if I've taken anything from anyone, I'm going to give them back even more than what I've taken. And this is what the, the, what the word of God does. This is what the gospel does. It changes lives. So we, we need to be convinced as we're sitting here, every single person of us, as we've experienced God change our lives. We are convinced that there's no other answer. There's no other way to live this life apart from Jesus. And for those who haven't encountered him, Our hearts must be burning with a passion to say, they need to encounter Christ. They need to encounter Christ. Otherwise, their lives will not be the way it was intended to be here on earth and even much so in eternity. You know, because sometimes we we, want to talk about the stuff here, but we also don't, we don't always want to think about eternity because we don't want to think about hell and hellfire, because it's not a good thing. But the truth is, it's there. It is in the Bible. It's written about. And it's not God's heart that any single person goes there. It's not his heart at all. 
And that shouldn't be our hearts. We shouldn't be like, oh, well, <laughs> it's their story. They must just decide, you know, if they're going to burn in hell, they're going to burn in hell. No. We need to carry that burden and say, God, you want to do something in people's lives. Luke 15, verse 4 to 7. This is a parable that Jesus was sharing with his disciples. He said, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Isn't that powerful? We were singing that song this morning, The Reckless Love of God. It leaves behind the 99 to pursue the one. So church, it's not about the 300 people we have now. It's not about the 300 people that we, that we know that come to church. It's about those who have not encountered the love of God. As long as you, you have a work colleague, as long as you've got a family member, as long as there is a classmate, as long as there is a soul in the hospital that has not encountered the love of God and is not in a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, our work is not done. Because when Jesus called us, he said, come and I will make you fishers of men. He said, come so that I can teach you how to fish, fish how to reach out. To those that have not encountered me. You know, God cares so much about the one person who does not know him. Jesus made time to stop for whoever it was that came to him. Even with the woman with the issue of blood that nobody knew that had to push through the crowd and just touch the hem of his garment. And he felt power leaving out of it. The guy that was blind crying, Savior, Savior, help me. He stopped and looked at that person to restore that person. And that is what he wants us to do. And it's, it's not even about looking out there and saying, oh, the world is dying. The world is, you know, it's just about looking close. Who is around you? Who is that one person? Yeah, I know for some of us it's one. For some of us it's more. Who does not know Jesus? who has no relationship with Jesus, that family member who has no relationship with Jesus, that one person that really annoys you at work, hmm? that you just wish they could encounter Jesus Christ. Yeah? Well, guess what? God cares about that person. He wants that person to come into loving relationship with him. Yeah? And, and you know, the, the thing with Jesus is when he came, he came to mess up the whole system that the Pharisees were used to. They, 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 they had this thing of, you need to be holy and to be clean, to be loved by God. So they were trying all the, the rituals and following the rules to be connected and, and, and to feel holy, separated from everybody. Huh? Because I need to be holy people out there, sinners. And sometimes that is the attitude we have as Christians. We get saved and then we cut off the unsaved people. When Jesus was praying, he said, 
I pray that you do not take them out of this world, but you keep them here and you help them become one as you and I are one. And our duty is to occupy until Jesus returns. So when Jesus came, he, he wasn't like, wow, where are my cool people, the Pharisees that speak just like me, that they're crazy about the law, they love. No, he was looking for those who did not know God. He went to the prostitutes. He went to um, the, the tax collectors. He went to the people that were deemed untouchable. Even the guys with leprosy that nobody wanted to touch because if you touch it, oh, it's contagious. He went to those guys to give them life. And that is what he's saying to us this morning. Let us not, we are called out of the world no? to be a peculiar, to be a different pe- people. But we're still called to influence the world. You know, sometimes we, we have this this mentality where we feel like we're called out of the world. I'm not, no sinner must come next to me lest they defile me. I, I, I'm not going where there's sinners at all because then it's going to be, ooh, I don't want to dirtify myself, you know. But the power that Christ has put inside of you is so powerful <laughs> that it, it can change the people around you. And that is what God wants. He wants that whoever encounters us, whoever touches us, touches a part of God. And that can only happen if we are around the lost. It can only happen if we don't cut ourselves off. And it's so important to, to, to have that heartbeat of saying, God, where are you most needed? Where can I bring your love? Where can I... Where, who needs to encounter you? And not just God, oh, I'm in this place now. These people look so weird. I just need some, I need a Christian, a born again brother who understands me here. You know, there are times for that. (laughs) Yeah, but God has really called us to be salt and light. And we need to, to, to understand how much the one means to him. How much, how much that lost soul really means to Christ. It needs, it needs to burden us that there's still somebody in our family that we know that doesn't know Christ. Okay? And when we look at, at the, the parable, he continued to say that this person who has lost the sheep will leave the 99. Just as Christ left the 99 to come for us. He will leave the 99 to find the one that's lost. So God is asking us today, who are we going to find? That one person that's lost, we need to find. And we need to understand that when when God saw us, he saw everybody that's connected to us. He saw that if I could just reach Hilma, she will be the one who can reach her mother, her sister, her classmate, you know, when God looks at us, he, just, he doesn't just look at us as an individual. He looks at us, at us in community. Who are we surrounded with? by? Who can we influence? So he's asking us, maybe just ask yourself, just, just take some time to just think. Who are the people that are in my circle of friends that I know? Even 
if they're not in my circle, but they're close, I probably see this person every morning. I may be with them on the bus or in the shop. And I know they have not encountered the love of Christ. Who is that one person? And how can I reach them? Well, Bible says, nobody comes to Christ unless somebody takes a risk. Do you remember the person that preached the gospel to you? Maybe you're one of the few that just ended up coming to church by yourself, and there was an article, you got saved. But for the majority of people, it took somebody to share the gospel or invite that person to come to church. That specific person had to step out of their comfort zone to make the decision and say, I am going to invite Cynthia. Okay, maybe not Cynthia, you're PK, ne? pastor's child. You had no choice. <laughs> yeah? So I'm, I'm going to take that time to invite Maria to come to church. Yeah. And I remember when I got saved, the person that led me to the Lord, ooh, guys, or helped in the process, um, <laughs> this guy... He got saved, and he got saved very radically. He was like a Jesus freak. Yeah? And I remember, like, weekends, we would be chilling as friends at school and just talking about stuff that we're going to get up to in the weekend and just having, you know, those good worldly chats before Christ. Yeah? And then he will be there in the midst, and he will just whip out his Bible. His name was Absalom. Some of you might have met him at Bible school teaching, Pastor Absalom. And he would just take out his Bible and he start preaching. And we'd look at him and be like, what is wrong with you? You know, you can't just come with your Bible and start preaching. We'll go to parties. And at the party, you'll have his Bible. And he'll start preaching to us. And it was just so annoying that we just started mocking this guy. And I mean, I was raised in a home where... We went to church every Sunday. My dad was really into church, but he didn't force us. After a certain age, you could decide whether you want to go to church or not. And I remember, I think maybe when I was about 11, I stopped going to church until I was 18 again. Yeah? Was it even younger than 11? You know, where I just stopped. At first, I started going to church once a year, Christmas Day. (laughs) Christmas, maybe Easter. And then I just stopped, you know, I was just like, ah, you know, Sunday is a good day to do laundry and do my hair. And, you know, the week is so hectic. We go to school from nine until five and I just want to rest. So I, I was never really into church. Um, so I'll be at home and my dad will always go to church on Sundays and my brothers and I will just be chilling at home. And I remember this guy, um, he would preach during the breaks. He will preach to us, come to church, come to church. We're just like, I absolutely, what's wrong with you? And, and you know, we were even at a school where you are supposed to be open-minded. <laughs> I was at DHPS, so you had to be open-minded and stuff. And there's this guy just trying to preach the gospel, trying to convert us to become something else. You know, we're just like, what's wrong with you? And what made it worse was he also found out where I lived. And it wasn't difficult to know where I lived because our house was right by the bus stop where we used to take the bus in the mornings, you know, one of the stops. So sometimes I'll be late and I'll be running out of the house and people that are in the bus can see, oh, there's Hilma running out of a house. So it was just obvious. 
And then he would start coming to my house after his church service and come and preach to me on a Sunday. I'm just like, bro, I already have my own church. Why are you coming to preach? And you know what got worse? He would come to our house and sometimes I will not be there. And then he will preach to my brothers. <laughs> this guy just didn't know what it is to stop. He was so persistent. And every time he preached the gospel, it's like he's never preached it to you before. It's like it's something new that he's bringing to you. And it's like, my friend, you really need to give your life to the Lord. Jesus is the answer, you know. And I'm just like, the answer to what? <laughs> and he'll be preaching the gospel. And he will spend hours when I'm not there with my brothers. And I will come home and they'll be like, that friend of yours. <laughs> he must not come here with his Bible anymore. Tell him we've got our own church. Okay? We're Lutheran. <laughs> so, I mean, he just continued. And he never stopped. And it was just so amazing because he was just so persistent. And I remember at some stage, the Lord started working in my life. And it's not because I went to church or anything, but I started having this urge to just watch some sermons on a Sunday and I would listen. And, and I eventually gave my life listening to the 700 Club. But at the end, the, the pastor said, find a Bible-believing church. Find somebody that can help you walk this Christian life. You can't just get saved and stay here. And it was so easy for me to know where to go. Yeah? I was like, Absalom, remember that church you were always inviting? I would like to come and just see what it's like, you know? So I ended up going with him to church, and it was just amazing. That's how I grew. I grew up in, in Jesus, um, footsteps of Jesus Christ ministry. And what we learned was prayer and fasting, you know? And the importance of the word and evangelism. And it was just Foundation after foundation after foundation. And I'm telling you that the day I got saved, this guy was over the moon. He was just like, Lord, this is so beautiful what you're doing. Yeah? But he took that risk. Even at the point where we were mocking him, we, we would tell him, stop preaching, don't come here anymore. But because of the love of Christ in him, it just compelled him. And he was just like, as long as you guys are here in my circle of friends, as long as we go to the same classes, as long as we're spending a lot of time together, you're not going to stop hearing me preach the gospel to you. Yeah. And it's really amazing because this is how we're called to be because this is how God is with us. This is exactly how God is with us. He keeps pursuing us until we encounter him. And I thank God for people like that, that don't stop pursuing anyone they know until they, they reach um, the knowledge of Christ. And so um, your ability to make friends creates pathways for people to journey towards Christ. Every single person here is capable of, of making friends. Yeah? Maybe you might be sitting and thinking, but all my friends are saved. Well, maybe you've been too long in church. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> all my friends, just imagine if all your friends are saved, everybody at work is saved. Wow. Yeah? So maybe it's time to get into a different environment and just say, God, where can I meet new people who don't know you? For, for your sake. Not for my sake, but for your sake. Yeah? 
So God has given us this amazing thing called relationship where we're able to build relationship and we're able to, to, to usher in those people into a relationship with Christ. And so we mustn't give up. And, I, and, I, and even as I was, I was sharing now, I know some of us are trusting for God to touch our families. Don't give up on that. No? If you've got family members that are not safe, continue to trust God to touch their lives. Continue to pray and seek him for them. Yeah? And say, God, I, I'm contending with you for the lives, for the souls of my family. I'm not going to stop until I see you do something in their lives. This gospel was not meant to be something that we keep to ourselves, where we become so selfish and we're like, only 144 people will enter heaven, so I want to be one of those, and nobody must be competition. No. There is a crowd that Jesus is waiting for, with every tribe, nation, and tongue that will stand before his throne, worshiping him, crying out, you are holy, holy, holy. So there's so much more. So there's room for everyone. And God wants us to reach those people. I mean, let's have a look at Jesus. Who did he find? Jesus found... I see my slides are not moving there. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Find the one. Your ability to make friends create pathways for people to journey towards Christ. Let's move on. Okay. Who did Jesus find? Jesus found Matthew a tax collector. A very bad sinner. He found Paul a religious Jew. Do you know that there are religious people that still need to find Jesus? To be in relationship with him? He found Peter a fisherman. Dirty language. Yeah, that person at work that's always having all sorts of vocabulary coming out of their mouth. You know? They need some Jesus soap to just wash that mouth. Yeah? <laughs> he found Mary a prostitute. He found the, uh, the tomb dweller, a demoniac, that guy that was possessed by so many demons. And then he found a Samaritan woman, a failed spouse. You guys remember all these stories from the Bible, ne? Just think about those people when they encountered Jesus. They were radically changed. They didn't stay the same. And some of them went to invite their friends. Come and see. I've encountered a prophet. Come and see a man that washes all sins away. Come and see somebody that can heal us. And that is what, what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to find the one. Pursue the one. Don't give up. Okay? And then we see in verse 5, it says, carry the one. Where he speaks about when he found it. He carried. Now, he carried the sheep to bring it back. And this, what this carrying looks like for us is to really be people that carry people in our hearts as a burden. Yeah? Not giving up. Continually praying for that person until Christ is formed in them. Remember, P, um, Paul had this passion for the churches. He was like, I labor for you in prayer until Christ is formed in you. Are we laboring for those people in prayer until Christ is formed in them? Until they encounter the love of Christ? Until the veils are removed? Because it is a warfare. Veils need to be removed from people's eyes. To see clearly. 
that truly there is a need for Jesus. And sometimes it takes more than one invitation, one preaching. Sometimes you might do it for two years. But the question is, am I persistent? I can't say I'm just giving my family this year. If they don't repent, I'm done with them. (laughs) No. Because that's not what God does with us. He's constantly coming back, knocking, showing us pictures in a dream, in a vision, sending someone so that we will encounter him. And when we finally make a choice not to, there were so many opportunities given that when the reason why we didn't choose him is simply because our hearts were hard and we just didn't want him. Not because we didn't have a revelation of him. So we need to carry people in our house, in our hearts. And then when, when we bring them to the Lord, we need to recognize that there is a rejoicing. So we need to rejoice with the one when they get saved. That one person that gets saved is, is just so important to Christ. And there's a rejoicing. You know, heaven says there's a rejoicing in heaven when one soul comes to him. Yeah? I remember the time when I got saved, this brother that used to come, he was so overjoyed. And when he found out that now I'm a pastor, he's even more overjoyed. He's like, wow. Hmm? You don't know who it is that you're reaching. You don't know if the next person that you're going to reach is going to go to the nations, is going to be a church planter, is going to start this multi-billion company that's going to transform people's lives because it's going to help eradicate poverty. You don't know who the next person is that you're reaching out to. So that's why it's so important to just say, God, I want to take this risk. I want to be that person, and I want to go beyond myself and really trust you to reach out to those people. Okay? So take the risk. This is what we're busy with. This is what we're launching today. Just one. Take the risk. Risk stands for relationship. Invite. Salt and keep walking. And throughout the series, we're going to look more into this stuff. What is it exactly? We have this, this is a whole series that we're going to do on taking the risk just to reach one. And the first part is that everybody must know that God has given me relationship. And I hope that in those relationships, they're unsaved people. And God has given me the ability to be able to invite that person to church. Or invite them into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. So that is what we're doing with this campaign. We're we're being ignited to go back to the basics of what it is that Jesus wants us to do. You know, sometimes it gets intimidating when we say, we have hospital outreach. Oh my goodness, hospitals are not my thing. We have, you know, outreach where, where? There's a mission. I can't get leave. I can't do this. But this is so simple. Yeah. Because you literally don't have to get out of your environment. You just have to be where you are and say, Lord, who are the people that you place around me that need to know you? And how can I reach them? Yeah. So we're going to go through that through the, this series. And everybody has gotten this as a reminder. You can put it on your car. Some of us don't really look at our cars. We just get in. So for me, I'll put it on my mirror because I know, you know, 
when you're doing your face, this thing is there. <laughs> yeah? You might not see it when you're driving because other people can read it, but wherever it is that you can put it, that it can remind you that we're busy with just one to reach out. And then we also have these coffee mugs, beautiful ones, um, that are also as a reminder when you're having coffee in the morning or wherever you put it. But we actually want to challenge people that that person that you were thinking about, that you can invite them out for a coffee. Yeah? Slow Town will give you $2 off if you come with your own cup. Yeah? So you can get $2 off by going with this cup and trusting God for the finances to pay the other person's coffee. Don't invite people for coffee and make them pay for their own coffee. Okay? <laughs> and just making a commitment that that person that is really on your heart right now, you want to make a commitment to trust God for their salvation. Isn't it simple? It's very simple. It's not a, it's not a difficult task at all. Are we going to do that? And we can only do it if we are really convinced that Christ is the answer. If you look at your life and you're like, God, I know you've done something significantly so different in my life. I cannot keep it to myself, but I have to share it. You'll be the person that says, yes, I want to go the extra mile to reach one person this week. Amen. So let's just stand up and pray. Before we pray, I just want to read this poem by Lawrence Tribble. Maybe you can project it on the screen as well, Deitai. It says, one man awake, awakens another. The second awakens his next door brother. The three awake can rouse a town by turning the whole place upside down. The many awake can cause such a fuss. It finally awakens the rest of us. One man up with dawn in his eye, surely then multiplies. You know, when we take the time to reach out to somebody else and share the love of Christ with them, there's no way they will keep it to themselves. They will say, somebody took the time to look at me and introduce me to Jesus. I too must take the time to introduce them to Jesus. This is a chain reaction. You will be a catalyst of a chain reaction. That you're just the person that you're going to reach is going to reach somebody else, and they're going to reach somebody else, and they're going to reach somebody else. And this is exactly what God wants. God wants this nation to be full of His presence and full of His Spirit. And even though often we say there's 90% Christian, we know that it's not true because we're not reaping the truth of the gospel in people's lives. And so God wants us to introduce them into relationship and to know the truth of, their, of his word so that their lives will be radically changed for the better. And so, Father, this morning we thank you so much that not only have you called us to yourself, but you've called us to be vessels that can be poured out in this nation and to the nations of the world, oh, Father God. We thank you this morning, Lord, that you have given every single person the ability to connect with others, Father God. And I thank you for those that you've blessed us with in relationships. 
And we pray this morning, oh Father God, that we w- you will use us to impact their lives, Father God. You will use us to bring Christ to them. We will not be quiet, oh Father God, until they know you, Lord. Father, that we will go beyond ourselves, oh Father God. We will not look to our fears, oh Father God, but we will look to how big you are and how much you want to do in people's lives, Father God. Lord, where we've been living selfish lives, we say no more. We want to lay ourselves on your altar and allow you to use us as vessels, oh Father God. Lord, we yield our hearts to you this morning and we say more, 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 more of you, Jesus. More of you. Lord, will you use us to be salt and light in our communities, in our families. In Jesus' name, we thank you for that. And Father, I just pray this morning, if there's anyone who knows Jesus, I mean, two groups. The one knows Jesus, but you feel like there's nothing that has happened in my life since I met him. It's going to be very difficult for you to share this gospel. And if you want to encounter transformation in your life, if that's you this morning, you're like, I've encountered Jesus, I've given my life to him, but there's just no real transformation. There's nothing happening in my life. If that's you this morning, I would like to take the time to pray with you. Can you please just raise your hand wherever you are? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I see that hand. And then the second is, if you haven't encountered Jesus, you haven't given your life to the Lord, it's going to be difficult for you to share him with the world. So if you're here this morning and you haven't given your life, I also just want you to raise your hand so that we can pray with you. Is there anyone like that this morning? Please just raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If your hand is raised this morning, I just want to ask you to be bold. While everybody's head is bowed down and we're praying, I just want to ask you to please come to the front. Just come here in the front so that we can pray for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's give them a hand. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Father, this morning, can I just ask some connect leaders to stand behind these people? There'll be someone behind you. They're going to pray with you even further and take some time to minister and speak to you. But Father, this morning, we thank you, Lord, that your gospel is living and active. We thank you, Lord, for every life that is represented here, Father, that it will be radically transformed by the power of the gospel, O Father God. We thank you for deep relationships. We thank you for new levels in you, Father God. We thank you, Father, for God, I mean, an encounter with Christ that brings that burning bush moment, even as Moses had a burning bush moment with you, Father God. I thank you that these lives will never be the same again because you entered, oh, Father God. In Jesus' name, we thank you for that. And we bless you, Father. Amen.